Hello, Acapella Radio. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I am one of your hosts, Brian Alexander, and joining me as always is Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how are things in your neck of the woods today? How are things going? <sighs> you know, they're pretty good. But unfortunately, we had a member of the group that I sing with drop today. And no. our first show is, I mean, our first first gig is in three and a half weeks. Three and a half weeks and no notice? <laughs> yeah, our first no live notice? gig since COVID started. Well, I mean, it was something that the, the member and I had actually talked about it over the phone. And I, in particular, have connected with this member insanely well during the time that we've had the opportunity to sing together, but this member has family members who have serious underlying conditions. One can't be vaccinated because there's not a vaccine for someone as young as they are. And I don't want them to feel like they're letting us down. We actually have a Band-Aid for the show. We actually have we have somebody who's going to be able to fill in. Okay, so for, you got a little that, backup that part that we'll be missing. thing ready to yeah, go. Yeah, at, at, okay. at least for that gig. And then we have a couple more in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and either we'll have to shift some things around. Fortunately, I can sing tenor because lady bass. Yes, that but yeah, it, it'll be okay. Range. <laughs> and I, I can sing fairly low. And, and, and I mean, it is sad because I did, mm-hmm. I did enjoy singing with this person and performing with them but yeah it's it's always tricky I mean, when somebody leaves you know right well and i feel like there were some legitimate serious reasons like you got to take care of your family you got to take care oh, of, of yourself at the end of the day it's just acapella I, I and feel we like, love acapella here <laughs> right and i feel like that's the one thing you come to the table i'm like so and so was leaving what i can't believe it but they're leaving yeah. because of family oh okay you know we get it that works. So, well, we wish you the best with everything. Thank you. It should know. be fun. Yeah. I'm excited to get back to live shows. Oh, I hear you. I can't wait to so watch see. some. Speaking of live shows, our guest today has quite a bit of experience with live shows himself. And I'm super stoked for today's guest because he is one of my closest friends from back in the day. Still to this day, we, we still connect. And so... Who is he? He is none other than Tyler <laughs> Wilde. Tyler, how's it that going? We should cue the applause. <laughs> yeah, some, somebody put it in the edit. Man, this is actually really cool because I know that Brian's been doing this for quite a while now. So just being a part of it, I mean, you guys inviting me on this is really awesome. It's appreciated. We are super excited to have you. And for our listeners out there, I've referenced like a million times the group that I got started with back in the day with my high school music experience. And Tyler was one of the the singers that I sang with and like I said man I absolutely one of the most talented vocalists I've ever met in my entire life dude can like sing the roof off of, of any place he goes into as well as harmonize like no other so we're going to be getting into some very cool and interesting topics on today's show so just to kind of get things kicked off for our listeners out there Tyler why don't you tell us about your musical background how did you get started in music and you know what types of musical outlets you've been involved in throughout your professional career yeah, I mean, music goes way back. I know that growing up, we were a religious household, so I got a lot of music content from church, right? You get a lot of a lot of harmony, a lot of structure with hymns and things. Obviously, it really kind of creates a baseline for music theory. Mm-hmm. And from there, I mean, I just kind of surrounded myself with a lot of like-minded people, you know, musicians, people who wanted to do something with music as, as a career. And, you know, when I ran into you guys, and we've had the group now for pretty much almost a decade right we've never actually disbanded anything it, it kind of is what it is yeah when, whenever we feel the urge to sing like okay let's get the band back together 100 percent the case and <laughs> it's funny because i hear about like losing a member 
right? Three and a half mm-hmm. weeks to create content. That's crazy. And with, with COVID coming up and, and how it's affecting music and everything else, I find myself even now trying to create opportunities to get some kind of fix for music. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it just comes down to having good people. Karaoke is definitely helpful. I, I imagine that's a that's a huge outlet. Oh, it's massive for everybody, definitely for myself. But COVID definitely had a weird impact, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to enjoy live music and the impacts that it that it has on artists and acapella groups and then music creators. I mean, it's definitely shook a lot of things up. But I have noticed we're getting into the summer, we're starting to see a lot of people get more comfortable. And wherever you lean on, on all of that in terms of precaution and, and really how you should approach what to most everyone is, is considered a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? And I've still been pretty engaged with the karaoke scene throughout it. I've seen how it's evolved. I've seen definitely a little bit of a taper and how things have come back. But I'd say really, it, even in the last five, six years, I think that has helped keep me involved and keep me passionate uh, about music in general. So karaoke is the big one for sure. I'm super curious because often when we speak to our guests on the show, we're always asking them, you know, how has COVID impacted the way you approach music? What are your perspectives and thoughts on how music is going to change and be shaped, you know, moving forward, whether it be, you know, the karaoke scene that you're seeing, or just in terms of just you generally just wanting to be near people in the social environment and wanting to sing and things like that. Do you have any like general opinions on how this whole pandemic is going to shape this whole idea of live performances moving forward? Man, it's going to be interesting because music's a culture. For for a lot of people, it's a cult even. Yeah. You know, I think that what we'll probably see o- over time is that I've seen a lot of people try to get into the virtual environment and, and that's tough for some and others, I think, get lucky to have the opportunity to really make something out of a virtual setting. But I think we're starting to see a lot of easement. I'm seeing a lot of live bands. I'm, I'm obviously going to a lot of different venues for karaoke and every crowd is, is unique, but I'm starting to see them get larger and larger. So I, I think hopefully Hopefully, we'll be able to get to a little bit more normalcy for mm-hmm. people who really do enjoy that live venue environment and, you know, being around that that particular culture. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of, I mean, the last global pandemic, or at least in the U.S., Spanish flu, what, 100 years ago? A little more than that, I think. I'm sure at some point things, they were really careful with things because I'm sure they still had live events back then. I imagine that as time goes by, stuff will get more lax to the point where maybe people won't even, I mean, unfortunately, think about how COVID had impacted their experience with live shows. Yeah, and, and at for, some point, at least. Yeah, and with that, I, I'm thinking about some of the things I've seen. I know that some venues have tried to do the whole pot seating and you know the mm. groupings, and then you got, of course, you got certain shows where there be music or comedy shows and stuff. They have the the rapid test right there on site. I'm thinking how things would have been different just because we're in such a advanced place in our century or era, or however you want to phrase that, versus the Spanish flu, where you know they weren't as developed back then. And I'm just curious how much of this sticks around as we continue to move forward, because, you know, a lot of the things that we're seeing uh, from a social perspective, you know, Japan and places in Asia, they've already been used to, you know, they do the face mask and they they care for each other in terms of health and things like that. It's very communal. Right. Exactly. And I know people are dying to get back. Like Tyler said, music is a cult. It has that feeling. Once you're surrounded by it, you can't help to just really embrace it. And you kind of lose track of the sense of, you know, probably social distancing and everything else that goes with it. So I'm just I'm really curious on what's going to stick as we move forward with music and performing live and things like that. But, you know, I'm super excited for it to get back. So I guess we'll see. And and with that, I kind of want to start with the early days of singing with Tyler. (laughs) We've 
We've spoken on the show, Tyler, a few times, or as Brian said a few minutes ago, a million times about his early days of singing a cappella. And the group that you two sang together with is often referenced. So what can you tell us? What can you remember about those early days of trying to discover or establish your sound in a brand new a cappella group? Yeah, I think at first it was, I mean, it was hanging out with the boys and what a cool thing to find something between four guys that it's a passion for every single one of them. So a lot of what we did was by ear, you know, we were never really super technical. And with that, it just, it always made it fun and made it fresh. You know, over time, I, I think it just developed into, again, that, that same mentality of you have a family and I'm not surprised it gets referenced because there's probably not at least what, maybe three, four days in the past decade that we haven't talked. <laughs> exactly. It's definitely family before it would ever be called a group, I think. So definitely one of my tops. What I find interesting, just kind of hearing all of that out loud, I think of the way groups groups are kind of how they come together now. And part of it has to do with the pandemic. But I think even before the pandemic, we were seeing people were spread out and they wanted to join groups and things like that. And there's always this, it's always had this aspect of, you know, technology or virtualness to it, because normally a lot of things I'm seeing now is, you know, you get a group together, you form it virtually and there's all this technology behind it. Everybody's so technical. I'm like, let's get super structure. And as Tyler said, you know, we were just like, hey, let's just hang out. It's about just spending time being with the boys. Boys. weren't using sheet music or anything i don't think at we, least not no initially i think we tried yeah okay <laughs> that's the best and way to put it it was good pun intended in theory but at the end of the day <laughs> maybe it was probably me that was more of the abstainer it's tyler for sure oh yeah i had no desire but i watched <laughs> his group exactly well that's that's what we had brian for he was technical he was trained you know he knew the sheet music and I can't pretend like it didn't inspire a couple of, of you know, directions we went creatively, mm -hmm. but nine times out of 10, no, it's just getting together and, and seeing what you, what you can make stick. And So Brian, was this before or after Green Tones? This group got started before, but- Oh. <laughs> it's, okay. it's, uh, so here, okay. here's how the breakdown from what I remember, Tyler, please feel free to correct me. I think <laughs> the, the very first, the earliest I can remember, the group was called Fourth Avenue, and that was like the high school <laughs> version of of us i know i know i'm probably messing some things up there was now a I'm high school of our episode last week seventh half exactly so you could get like maybe you could like get some copyright money we from that the, no, I'm <laughs> there was the high school incarnation of us which i think was fourth avenue and then yeah. there was that the early days of my collegiate group i was still kind of off and on singing with the guys whenever we kind of go back but home. your collegiate group had and sheet music yeah oh yeah we so started you got, off you like got the best of both worlds i feel like oh yeah yeah i, I loved both parts this is enjoyable for me because like you're saying I got both sides of the aisle because mm -hmm. I got to really kind of hone in my craft with the sheet music with my collegiate group the green tones but then I loved going back to Andante which is what the group the final name that we finally stuck with just because there was so much more focus on I, I hate to say this but like chemistry really it was more about how do we just really feel what we're singing with each other versus okay let me pick out my part off a sheet uh, a piece of paper and just make sure I come prepared and all of that stuff it was more like no we got to be on top with the blend we got to be on top of just being dialed in with each other not that the collegiate group didn't have that for sure but it was in such well, a unique you, way well when you have a smaller group you need to tune into pun intended you need to tune in <laughs> to that more just because 
the smaller the group, the more likely the more likely people are to notice your mistakes. Yeah, and and there was another thing. What also kind of differentiated everything was with the green tones. It was really about trying to create every single instrument of a song mm-hmm. and really just really make it very full sounding. With Andante, it was more about the harmonies. It was so much about hey, we have to how can we really you know get those really close parts with each other and just be more like a traditional like boys to men and and I know we weren't boys okay. to man but that's more the vibe we were going for hey don't tell people that <laughs> <laughs> well i i get pushed back hey i get pushed back every time like hey we were more of a boys to men thing like oh were you and i was like ah. maybe yes no I, I gotta ask and in our notes for tonight's episode brian mm-hmm. you indicated that andante is an acapella group that you used to sing with but from what i'm hearing from tyler it's not really it's not really like you got kicked out or it almost sounds like the group just gets together when you guys feel like singing, in which case it's a group that you still sing. That's exactly how I would describe it. Okay, I'm understanding that right. Yeah, that's perfectly sad right there. It was like, when we feel the urge to sing, like the band just gets back together. That's all it is. There you have it. (laughs) There you have it. Okay, so Tyler, I understand that you're a pretty big deal. And we've had a few different guests who have had the opportunity to audition for and participate in some way, shape, or form in a vocal reality TV show. So my understanding is that you auditioned for The Voice. Can you tell us about your experience with that? Really crazy. The environment that you're in, uh, again, you got a lot of people around you that are just pumped. They're feeling it. They're they're ready. Uh, for so many people, I, I think for me, I probably didn't even take it as seriously as, as I might could have. For some, it's, it is the breakthrough. It's the opportunity. You can feel that energy. I mean, it's just electric. And getting in front of a judge and, and obviously showing them what you got, I mean, it's a pretty it's pretty intense experience. So, you know, would I do it again? Yes. It would just, it would be for fun. You know, that's, that's always been, I think almost to a fault is that music has always been a second priority in that we've got our lives, you know, we've got a uh, family, I've got two kiddos. So doing something like that, was honestly for me just a a break in the normal flow almost like a pattern interruption i would say that anybody that is thinking nah that's probably not for me or i don't have a sob story so they can't make a segment none of that really matters you got to get out and do it because i will say to anybody who's ever considered but never really took that plunge to do something like American Idol, do something like The Voice. It could even be just a local, right? Some kind of a coffee shop even. Do it. Every opportunity that you have to be able to express something that you love into the open is, I think, probably the most satisfying portion of going through all of that. And and I would do it 10 times over again if I had the time. Absolutely. So what, what kind of advice would you give someone who is wondering what they can do to be as successful as they can be. And I don't mean as successful as they can be, like they make it to the stage, they end up on somebody's team and they go the long haul in the show. I mean, I feel like everyone has various definitions of what success looks like for them. What advice would you give someone to help them best prepare for that experience? And then just to add on top of what Alicia's saying, a follow-up question or precursor question, what was success to you going into that process? I think success in that sense, again, just even taking the first step into really exposing yourself. That's really what it is. A lot of people are by nature, probably a little bit more reserved. They may not have total confidence in themselves. I know even very, very good artists, right? Not just music, but just any artistry. There's such a thing as imposter syndrome and thinking Mm -hmm. that, yeah, sure. People keep telling me that I'm awesome, but I'm not trying to expose myself. So I would say that if you're trying to find success, it's going to 
be a different degree for so many different people. It's going to define itself in so many ways. You have to simply take the first step no matter what it is. And the thing that that really probably is, you know, sucky about a path of success is that you're probably going to have to take 99 different paths to find the one that fits your particular groove and what is it you're trying to achieve. So I would tell you, just make sure, you know, look inward and make sure that your effort musically, if, if that's what it is, or really anything, I guess you're trying to pursue, just make sure that you don't have to question yourself. Did I put it all out there or did I hesitate? Did I do what I know I wanted to do, the, the part of me that I wanted to share, or did I tone it down? Did I not take a risk that ultimately could have benefited me? Because you're just going to constantly find yourself in a pattern of self-doubt and constant wondering, if I had done it different, how could it have been? The audition that I did, I don't even remember the song. Doesn't matter. Genuinely doesn't matter. I'm sure if I thought I thought long enough about it, I'd probably pick it back. But it was the experience and I regret nothing from it. So success is going to be defined a thousand different directions. But if you don't take a couple of paths to find out what success is going to translate to you, then yeah, I mean, just settle where you're at and embrace mediocrity. Yeah, I, I really like those. Oh, sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Hey, true. Truth bomb. <laughs> I, I, right. I, I really like those, uh, those comments on, you know, just really exploring those different paths at the end of the day because there is so much application right there with music in a sense that you know we're often striving to find our our voice in terms of the, the style of music that we feel most comfortable with that we sound the best and things like that so i think those two really go hand in hand and they're both relatable at the end of the day so i'm like this is well said right there i mean if you go to audition what's the success right you win the competition right for me mm-hmm. I, the success of it was i got out there and they don't have to use a microphone which is definitely really exposing But, you know, you got out there, you shared a piece of yourself. You don't look back and say, man, I could have done a thousand things differently. You said, man, that's awesome. I took that path. I did it a certain way. And the next one's probably going to be a little bit different, but I'm always going to get a different opportunity. That was the success is I gave myself the opportunity. That's it. I I find that interesting about the the no mic situation, because there are so many different types of artists out there. And some of them are belters and some of them are very, you know, powerful. But then there's some who their style is a bit more reserved. Like, you're, like you said earlier, and it's just like you don't really get a sense. You, you you can't just like pick it up just by being in an open space. Some people need that microphone. Not that it's like a, a hindrance or any sort, but it's just like it's part of the appeal. You really they have might, might have more of a bit of a quieter voice. I, I can't really think of an artist off the top of my head, but I'm sure that there are some out there that, you know, they just they flourish in different environments and so that the idea of not having a mic at those auditions is interesting so it's crazy for sure man i, I think too you know with acapella in, in general because that's that's really what led me to a lot of the things that i thought you know what do you really talk about in such a small segment and, and such a again a culture of just different people and different passions and, and things like that there's so many people that i think they don't necessarily know what they're capable of and the fact that i had to sing without a mic it was definitely different right i Mm -hmm. felt very very naked without the safety of (laughs) getting put through a condenser getting put through some type of reverb right give me the sound that i know i can do if i've got a microphone and i can't even imagine for you guys you've got eight ten twelve people in a group that are all Uh on a microphone Mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many times i've gone out we talk about karaoke right these different styles of singers i mean there's so much abuse that that occurs with technicians and 
I don't know. Maybe you see a, a lot of talent in the acapella culture and in and, and that group of, of individuals, but there's got to be a shortage, man. I mean, did you guys ever feel like in performing, you could have harnessed a completely different sound, but you couldn't just quite get that mix right? Yeah, oh, totally. Mike all the way, right? Yeah, so I was. I, I guarantee that's crazy for you guys to try to find that balance. Oh, exactly. For me, I actually, I was a bit upset by the end of my career and, may, and it totally applies to what you're just talking about the whole mic situation and the idea of sound amplification because at the beginning of our group's formation you know we had you know just the area mics and you know you practice and you rehearse a certain way to deliver a certain sound based off what you have we knew what we were going to have our performances and so we catered our sound to that by the end of my fourth year with the group it was only then that we were able i think we might have had one maybe two performances where each person had their own individual mic and i was so upset because i knew know that we could have delivered such a better performance such a better quality such a better product had we been able to really rehearse and perform with individual mics like so many groups are doing now i'm like you don't even think twice about the acapella scene now most shows everybody has their own mic that was not something that we had throughout our entire history as a group and so it definitely changes and like skews you know how you approach things and you know your thought process on it for me i've i've had the experience of performing with area mics. I've had the experience in acapella of performing with no mics. I've had the experience of performing with every single person mic'd. And I think for me, the experience that I've had, I had a very different experience when I was doing collegiate acapella versus what I do now. Only because with collegiate acapella, we had like a sound check two hours before a gig if we were, if we were all gonna be mic'd. So that way we could rehearse some things with all the mics, get the levels checked, make sure everything was blending well with that change in sound because during rehearsals, we never had mics. And I guess kind of the way the group that I'm in now is we don't have mics during rehearsal. I actually think that as a group, our sound is generally better when we're not mic'd only because it's what we're used to. But it's definitely very, it's a very different experience when you don't have mics versus mics, which we've, we've talked about. I think that one of the things that can help acapella groups be successful is to be prepared for anything. Even if you're expecting mics, like everyone to have a mic at a show, maybe something will happen where they don't, nobody has a mic or you end up with an area mic. I think it's really important to be flexible and be a performer who is versatile enough so that you can make whatever work. Hey, maybe your audience needs to just get a lot closer to you. But I mean, I have found that in my experience performing, I actually enjoy those more intimate performances significantly more than performing for the huge crowd. Yeah, and that's that's super well said. And I think that's the the beauty and the benefit of acapella groups. You always carry your instruments with you. You know, your voices yeah. should be all that you really need. So I think that's well said. With that, we are going to take our first commercial break. We've been speaking with Tyler Wilde of Andante, the, uh, the group that we currently sing with and used to sing with back in the day, a little bit of both. We actually got a special treat here because going into this commercial break, we actually have a, a, a track from our, our earlier oh. days. And Tyler, do you want to you want to introduce that track for our, our listeners out there? Oh man, which which one did you get? I think Fallen. It's Fallen, right? Oh, that's when we had yeah. So we man, and and that's that's the that's probably the cool thing about our group, right? Is the the versatility is oh man, what was her name? We we had somebody join in, and I think this is probably maybe our second or, or third take if if it's the one you're talking about. But man, that's that's a throwback. <laughs> I, I think that'd be I think that'd be awesome. Perfect. Well, we are looking forward to hearing that. And we'll be right back <laughs> on Tacapella. I keep on falling in. 
Sometimes you make me blue Sometimes I feel good At times I feel you Loving you darling Makes me so confused I keep on falling In and out Of love With you speaking with Tyler Wilde, and it's just been so fun. I always love hearing the fun, crazy stories about Brian's past with music because I didn't meet Brian until post-college. So this is, these kinds of conversations are always really, really just fun for me. I intended them to be secrets forever. Forever, oh, okay, okay, fair enough, fair (laughs) enough. I was gonna say we should get my mom on the show one day and she can tell you all my secrets. Just kidding, let's not do that. Oh no, we're getting her on, we are bringing her Um, on the show. She will be very struggling with tech. We'll help her out, we'll figure it out. You can help, you can can do that, (laughs) because I love my mother, but no. So Tyler, we've we've talked a little bit about your experience with Andante, and, and for many all vocal or acapella groups, there's a lot of structure with their music, so rehearsing and generally how they handle their business side of things. We, we were talking about your experience in Andante, and I, I kind of want to pick your brain a little bit. For some groups, they prefer sheet music. For some groups, they prefer learning their music all via auditory methods, like listening to learning tracks and memorizing that way. Are there benefits that you can think of, in your opinion, as to why this would be preferred over sheet music, or maybe even the other way around? Like, what drawbacks do you see that way of learning? You know, harmony by ear, especially if you've got a couple of people that you notice pretty quickly when you blend 
with someone. If there's not going to be a good mesh between two or three or, or four people, I mean, I can't even imagine, right? The the group mm -hmm. that Brian and I have been singing with now, the, the family that we've been a part of for so long, I mean, it just made things more passionate. It made things probably more fun, right? Then sheet music probably to me felt a little bit like a chore, right? There was a huge amount of satisfaction from being able to be a part of a group of people that they said, hey, let's just do a new song. Let's try a new thing. Let's try a new harmony. I can't, I mean, Brian, you and I, we would switch around parts between people yeah. and, you know, we always had a thousand ideas about how it should sound. And mm -hmm. again, it all ties back to it didn't matter where we landed. We really found, I mean, you heard that song, man. I mean, we just found so many different avenues to find something new, to find something fresh. And I what think what she is, it's a little oh, bit limited. I was going to say, would it be fair to say that you don't think you get as much flexibility when it comes to using sheet music? You don't. I mean, I think you could okay. probably be open to following a, a structure and, and bending the lines. And obviously, if you've got somebody who's pretty decent with sheet, you could definitely make your adjustments. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it would ever really inspire the kind of stuff that I feel like we stumbled upon as a group. Yeah, I, I agree. Because normally when you have sheet music, I'm like, what tends to happen is people are going to follow what's on the, the sheet music. Even mm -hmm. if you tell them, hey, this part is like this. I wrote this like this, but feel free to change it up. And my experience is eight times out of 10, people are going to stick they to what's in front of them. They don't do no. anything differently than what's and I mean, on the I, I feel like I'm experiencing that right now. I, I mentioned earlier that we had a member who has stepped away from the group that I sing with and filling the parts that he was previously performing, a lot of the members, as we were talking about, what are we going to do? The solution is we find another high tenor only because that's what the sheet music says. Whereas I think that there are adjustments that can be made to certain parts. If there are octave drops that can be made and still sound okay, since the full chord is still there, I think there's ways, there's ways around things. There's always something else you can do or there's always something else that you can try when things don't seem to be working. And with that, I'll say that for my time with Andante and still to this day, it's so interesting as Tyler was talking about is like we knew without, with you know, no hesitation, we were always going to have four voices. That's all you need, needed to know. It wasn't about tenor, baritone, bass, vocal percussion. Right. It was like, we're going to have four people and we're going to have four parts no matter what they are and a perfect example is there's a guy in a group one of our really close friends his name is golden golden typically sings the very high soprano tenor whatever you want to call it <laughs> dude has an insane range but then we'd like oh hey you know let's try this other song and he jumped down a bass and <laughs> and was like whoa what the heck and that was just the flexibility as Tyler's talking about. It's just like we knew the, we wanted to create music and that was it. We were going to have the parts one way or another. Right. The only song that comes to mind when you've got like a bass where you've got somebody who just jumps that much is the, um, I think it's the Drifters version of, oh, is it White Christmas? White Christmas. Yep. Oh, yeah. The okay. first ver, And I'm assuming it's the same soloist. But Brian, I don't know if you were there with Inversion when, I don't know if you were there when we had Andrew. He's a bass. Well, I thought you were. You were. He doubled on bass with Patrick. He's in our like oh, I'm gonna yeah, lose yeah, you video. Yeah, Andrew, yeah. Up for, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was yeah. There. So we were at a. I think you were there for this. It was our first time performing at the Chris Kindlemart, the German Christmas Festival. I was there. Yes, I was at and, that performance. And somebody else was supposed to sing the high part, mm -hmm. like the high solo. I think it was our other Brian because we had two Brians at the time. And. Andrew just pulled it out of his pocket like nothing. <laughs> like it was nobody's business. So he's singing the bass line and then he jumps super high. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. And this was nothing against Brian because 
has a fantastic voice, oh, but yeah. we were like, I think we like it better with Andrew <laughs> jumping just because it was like, there's it was a certain, shocking to the yeah, audience. And it, it was like, whoa, was that, was that the same guy? <laughs> right. And yes. Yes, it was. I think that keeps people interested in what you're doing. Like you're flexible. You're going to do something maybe they don't expect. I think that helps you stay innovative and, with your music and your performances. And I don't know how many people know this, but basses naturally have really decent falsettos at the end of the day, just due to the, the makeup and the vocal structure. Basses are really good falsetto people. To the guy that sings bass. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but my falsetto is not bad. But, but And there it is. They say bass is kind of look a little bit like Denzel. I, what? what? Is, is that what they say? Man, you know, I, I have gotten that in the airport a few times now that I think about it. Can I get a picture with you? <laughs> That's crazy what you guys are up against, man. You, how, how do you, oh man, that is the key example right there of sheet music that, oh yeah, I mean, how, right, right. How you totally. Just, and then, yeah, I mean, on the group with the guys, I can't count how many times we would just shift the parts and, you know, sometimes we say scrap the song altogether, but you oh, know what that made me think of? Was there that? was so much free freedom in, in not following a, a piece of paper, right? Yeah. Gosh, that's, and, that's and, intense. Best of luck on that show, by the way. I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think it'll be as good as it can be. So I think we're going to make it work. And to add on to what Tyler said, I'll be completely honest. In the beginning, when we were just getting started with all that, it frustrated the heck out of me because I was a with person. With Inversion? No, no, no. With, uh, with Undante. Oh, oh Sorry. Okay. Um, okay. No, no, no. By, <laughs> by, by the time. Cheap music, man. Right. By the time Inversion came around, I knew what kind of musician I was. I knew I had explored so much artistically. So you knew you wanted cheap music. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? But, but early on, because, <laughs> well, you got to realize back in around the time when Andante was just getting off the ground, my only experiences were choral, high school choral groups. Okay. And then the Green Tones, which was, you know, sheet music, two groups that were predominantly sheet music. I never really had an outlet for just creating music. You know, when you listen to like musicians and like instrumentalists, they get together and they'll do like jam sessions. I felt like every single time that Andante got together, that's what it was. It was a jam session and we were just creating music. Which, I mean, those are the funnest. Yeah. And that's, I, th I felt like I got to explore so much of the different types of music. As much as we changed it up with a bunch of my acapella groups down the line, Andante, it was really about really flipping songs because they come in and like, hey, we want to sing this song. Like, okay, yeah, do the melody and somebody would do the melody, but then, you know, Golden would throw in a, a harmony I'd never heard of or Tyler would do some kind of baritone harmony. I'm like, where the heck did that just come from? I didn't even know that was possible in the song. And so there was so much that we just explored artistically that just really broadened my horizons with the group. And I only got that because we were, we took away the sheet music at the end of the day. Okay, now, since you're bringing up harmonies, in terms of style, Andante placed great emphasis on harmonies in your presentation of music. So, I mean, harmonizing can be challenging, even for the most skilled vocalists. Like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a super skilled vocalist, but I've had a lot of exposure or as a vocalist and I struggle with it sometimes. So is that something, Tyler, you would say you're skilled at? And if so, what advice can you offer artists on what they can do to improve in this area or implement improving their harmonies in music? Yeah, it's definitely something that I pride myself in. And it's not boastful, right? If you find something you're really good at, you can tell people almost like a resume, here are my special skills. With the guys, 
there was always a willingness to try any harmony. And I would say if if you feel like it's tough for you, it could come down to just committing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to sound right the first time. It doesn't have to sound right the hundredth time. But if if you keep trying at it and repetitiously critiquing yourself in a way that says, how can I get better? Not necessarily saying how you are challenged by making harmonies by ear and and informally creating those, those type of music. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Record yourself. Listen to yourself. Yes, you can listen to yourself and say, wow, I sound terrible. I've done that before. <laughs> the next one's going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't yeah. count how many times I've, I've recorded something, listened to it and said, no, nah, it's okay. I need a little bit more space on my phone anyways. The final product, you've got to have all the ones that come before it. I, okay, I have a question. It might be a little bit technical, but we'll, we'll see how it is. So when you're thinking about harmonies and you're creating harmonies in music because I'll be the first to say I'm not great at harmonies. I struggle. I need, I often need help when it comes to harmonies. For you as somebody, because I've been around you, I know that you can pick them out of thin air. When you're creating harmonies, is that something that you're picking on just within the song itself that you're naturally hearing something from the melody that helps that to facilitate that? Or are you just more thinking about, in the, the simple sense that most people know, okay, if I go a third below or a third above, then I know that that's generally a good place to start. No. Uh, if, if you're trying to approach it like theory, you, you're probably going to get beat because, again, you lose the ability to be passionate and convicted in whatever it is that you're going to try. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say, you know, if somebody comes up and, and says, hey, will you do a duet, right? Karaoke is definitely the outlet. Somebody says, hey, I can do a duet. I don't know what I'm getting into, mm-hmm. but I have no problem. So, yeah, go make sure the guy's got a second mic and let's do this thing. And a lot of it is just the, the beauty is definitely when I have probably about a minute, minute and a half. You know, most duets are going to start out. They put the beauty up first and the lady will sing her part and then you're coming behind. You know, that first minute is getting to know this person's emotion, getting to know this person's approach to music. They might be super abrasive. They might be super mm-hmm. soft. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is trying to complement this other person and understanding how they interpret the music. And like you had mentioned, we're going to come out of nowhere with so many different harmonies and, and appeals to a rendition that most people theoretically would say, this is how it has to be done. And I would say as far as like harmony on the fly, probably going to try to go higher versus lower. A lot of the more tenor and baritone and, and different approaches you can take with a harmony, I would always lean higher versus having a, a lower range. I don't Why know is what that? that is. I, I just yeah. feel like it kind of invokes a little bit more passion. Okay. And we talked about the range, right? I mean, if, if somebody who can sing the bass is an awesome Denzel Washington impersonator and also has a great falsetto, then, then <laughs> not impersonator. <laughs> actual, I see where you're going there. <laughs> actual Denzel. But <laughs> it was always trying to balance the other person, yin and yang, what's going to come over the top and really accentuate that primary vocal. What's going to compliment it? Yeah, I I get what you're saying, because I, I agree. Typically, when you think higher, you think typically power. I guess. And then the lower stuff, you do get a bit of emotion with lower harmonies for sure. But I see where, you, where you're approaching it. I never thought about it, the harmonies in that sense. It was just always, hey, if you're naturally lower voice and you're probably going to sing lower, if you're naturally higher, mm-hmm. you're going to do a higher harmony. So, but that's interesting take on it. I didn't think about that. Uh, I like that, Tyler, you've been, you've been talking about balancing the other person. I feel like you were talking about that as far as your experience with karaoke goes and singing duets. And I feel like that's a perfect segue to this next. <laughs> 
section. So I understand you've been a host and an audio technician of professional karaoke events. And so with that, you've been able to see firsthand a side of performing that's that can be both vulnerable and fun. When I think of karaoke, I just assume it's fun. But yeah. but I also recognize there are, for people who aren't seasoned vocalists, when they go to karaoke, yeah, they're, they're being vulnerable. They're showing that side of themselves. So with the pandemic and everything that we've experienced, people were not going to live events, but now we've got the vaccine and people are beginning to return to social events including karaoke. So it's it's not a surprise that karaoke is a favorite pastime for musicians and non-musicians. I, as a musician, love karaoke. Many of those who participate in acapella can probably recall more than a few memories of taking part in karaoke. I definitely can. In your opinion, why is there su- such fascination with karaoke? Oh man, it's funny because I find people who sing professionally that actually hate karaoke. Oh, I've, I've definitely met that met too. those individuals as well. There, there's no control. You don't know what's going to happen behind the desk. You've got somebody running karaoke. Are they doing it because it's a easy cash gig? Or are they doing uh-huh. it because there's a lot of passion that comes with, again, right? Being involved with that person, complimenting what they're naturally capable of. I've seen a lot of karaoke hosts over the years. And, you know, with, I've shared some desks. I've filled in for people that just needed somebody to make sure that they had somebody to cover a venue, right? If they're, if they're a little under the weather or they're going to go out of town, I can't count how many times somebody would say, come grab my equipment. Here's the venue. I just need you to cover me on Saturday night. And those to me were probably the most fun because I had no idea what I was getting into. It's a game, man. Sitting behind a soundboard is legitimately like a Rubik's Cube with all the different types of singers. And we talked about it. Are they close to the mic? Are they, you know, screaming from 10 feet away into the microphone? You really don't know what you're going to get. But no, karaoke is definitely something that I think is really underutilized for a lot of people who might not not really know what they're capable of. And mm-hmm. I know for me personally, doing karaoke, I found genres that I thought I'd never be a part of. My music repertoire and, and what I love has developed to such a point that it's just convoluted now. There's so many different styles that you're going to run into in that type of environment. But COVID's been, as I had mentioned, it's definitely easing out a little bit more. I'm finding that it's really getting a lot of people back out there that probably for the last year have a little kind of been antisocial. Some people really hold themselves up and they didn't have an opportunity to go be with like-minded people and go have some fun and, and really, you know, detox and release. I mean, what when's the last time either of y'all have been to karaoke? Oh, man. Before COVID. Right? Whatever yeah. the last time with you was, I'm sure. No doubt. For me, for me it was definitely before COVID. <laughs> I think that really sucks. I think that is such an open, awesome opportunity. Just go and have some fun. And there's a lot of karaoke places. There is a karaoke bar that's a five minute walk from where I work and they have private rooms where you can mm-hmm. pay for the room and you and your friends. Guy. That's true. There's not there's not yeah. I love the crowd. Yeah. That's that's probably half of why I do it. And I think yeah. anybody who hosts karaoke, I mean, come on now. I'm gonna put one or two songs up on the mic because a, a lot of these oh, karaoke yeah. and you'll see it all the time. A karaoke host doesn't get on the stage and say, Hey, look what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> I, Going around the power. All right. Funny you say that. I was in California one time trying to find a venue and every single place was like you were saying, it's those private rooms where you mm-hmm. can fit six to ten people it's funny that culture never really rubbed off on me i was always i definitely like i mean if i'm hanging out with a small group of friends i'm totally fine with the room but i feel like the private room there's an advantage to it especially for those who are worried about potential exposure to other members of the public with 
the pandemic still going on. I think there are benefits and drawbacks to the private room. <laughs> oh, of course. I'm with you guys because I like the the big group and singing in front of people. I'm like the the private rooms are really cool. I've only done it one time, but I can vividly remember that experience. I'm like, wow, this is such a cool thing. But at the end of the day, when you're doing that, you're probably doing that with just a few small close friends at the end of the right. day. It doesn't right. have that same effect. No, it does. It doesn't. I mean, you feed off of your audience. Right. That's why uh, I love live shows. Exactly. And for me, you know, I'm most I feel like I'm most hesitant around people that I'm super close with to sing with because I know that, you know, I want to please them more than anything. For me, I can get in front of an audience and talk or sing or whatever and just be like, okay, cool, whatever. But a lot of my friends are musicians. And so the big thing of like being in a, a closed off room and just sing in front of them, like you yeah. don't want that judgment. Yeah. And I know that you want a judgment free zone, which right. I feel I, like it, karaoke generally it is it is it's all about you know the performance and whether it's good or bad can you entertain at least from my opinion mm-hmm. some of my favorite you know when they do it on like movies or tv shows i love watching the people that can't do absolutely they're killing <laughs> they the entertainment just, factor go for it exactly go for it and with that, I guess for you, Tyler, as both a performer and a host, what what are some things maybe that you've kind of come to learn about, you know, whether it be performers or individuals that take part in karaoke? Is there anything that just kind of stands out on, you know, just the whole culture and vibe? I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, the private, the big group thing and it just being more of an entertainment thing at times. And sometimes you, it's a test run as well for other things what have you come to learn just having so much karaoke man i'd say just do it that's one of the paths you can take and yeah some venues are probably not going to be great others you're going to find some really awesome crowds i know that a lot of venues if i've been there a couple of times you'll definitely notice there are some people that have their residency Mm -hmm. and you're probably going to see a couple of faces that you recognize if you can find yourself you know a local watering hole but (laughs) you know man just get out there and do it if you're in a group right if you already have an established group group, that gives you an opportunity to do something that doesn't fall in the same category of probably what you do on rehearsals and practicing and performances. Mm -hmm. Go find yourself something unique. And if you don't have the ability to interrupt your normal pattern in whatever it is, your family, your work, you know, what you might do for fun or or really just ultimately what motivates you, find the time to go do. It it doesn't have to be karaoke. It, It could be anything. Find a way to expose yourself to new opportunities to new versions of who you might want to be occasionally, just like you can change a a favorite outfit. My favorite personality is what I can be and, and what I have fun doing at karaoke, whether I'm hosting, whether I'm performing. To me, it's one version of myself that I can make unique have a ton of fun with and break the normal flow. So I would say to anybody, man, if, if you're not really a fan or you say, ah, karaoke is really not for me. That's dumb. That's silly. I, I promise, man, just go out and do that. Find your karaoke, whatever it is, and, and just really expose yourself to the unknown and have a ton of fun with it. Awesome. Right. Thank you. As usual, we did not get to all the questions we had prepped for today's episode, but it is time for us to take our second and final commercial break. But don't go anywhere because we will be right back with Tyler Wilde here on Tacapella. Every week for an hour, we hand over the keys to the station to, wait, is that right? The listeners? It's true. You, our listeners, can choose what we play for our requests and dedications hour. You can catch it every Thursday at 9 p.m. in the East, 6 p.m. Pacific, and then again on Sundays at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. East, 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the West. It's a chance for you to head to our website, pick some tunes that you want to request, or make a dedication. We'll play them right here on our air. And welcome back to our third and final segment of the evening here on Tacapella. We have been chatting with Tyler. 
Tyler Wilde about his experience in Andante with Brian and his experience in acapella, as well as his experience as a host and audio technician and a performer of professional karaoke events. So it's just been super fun. And we're going to continue the fun per tradition with 10 rapid fire questions. Tyler, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, Brian, how about you? I am ready to go. And I'm always ready. So question number one, Tyler, what is the best acapella number you've seen or heard to date? Oh, man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. They're not all like this. Brian, I, I don't know what song it was, but I'm sure you sounded beautiful. That, that's a plug. <laughs> oh, wow. All they did. They were all. <laughs> N- nice recovery. I so like that it. you performed. <laughs> Great. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Next question. What's in your fridge right now? Probably some leftovers that I'm going to have nothing to do with tomorrow. <laughs> Shoot, man. Stuff for the kiddos. The milk's probably three days out. I don't know. All right. Question number three. Cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. All the way. Yes, sir. Right, fair enough. I like fair it. Enough. Next question. What's your favorite non-musical activity? Man, I, I try to run. Brian, I know you're a runner. If anything, you should probably be motivating me more to not be so lazy. Running's awesome. It's definitely a quick little 30, 40 minute break. And I love it. I see your your records online, you know, your running routes and stuff, man. They're, they're nice. They're good. I gained that COVID-19. I'm trying to get back. Oh, dude, I, I feel you. I feel you. We're all in um, the same Brian, boat. Question number five. What achievement are you most proud of? Two kids. One's four. The other one's coming up on two. And it might be a little bit hokey, but they're pretty awesome. Yes, they are. Nice. Next question. What's the strangest situation you've ever found yourself in? Having kids. One's four and one's (laughs) on. That's a good one. That's a good answer. Especially with the, I don't even need to say it. I feel like me saying it makes it awkward. Okay. Uh, We know where you were headed. Wow. Well, no, I was going to say, especially because you just said it before. (laughs) Duh. Of course. That's why it's funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. If you were to work at a circus, what job would you choose? I know how to juggle. So I feel like that's really to do. Yeah. Don't put me on the, on the main, main attraction or anything. <laughs> I could do it at the door. I could take tickets and juggle. I don't know. There you go. Why am I just you, now hearing about this? Can you juggle with one hand? I cannot do it with one hand. I was, was going to say, if you could do it with one hand, you could be like taking tickets while juggling. Yeah. yeah. But oh, once it comes yeah. to fruition, yeah, I'll go hit up the local circus and see what I can do. Nice. <laughs> All right. Next question. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten from someone? Ooh. Jump on an acapella talk show. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Burn. <laughs> Oh, hey, uh, and, and for our oh, listeners, this is the first and last time you've heard from Tyler Wilde, right? <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. Oh, question number nine. What was the last album or song you purchased? Ooh, the last one I purchased. No, I did not have LimeWire. I was going to say, who didn't? Let's call it Let's call it a live show. I went and watched Justin Timberlake when he did his hey. Man of the Woods. I, I got to tell you, All man, right. that was probably one of the most awesome live shows I've been to. So that's, that's probably the last one I purchased. Okay, I, I, I do have so final question and this seems very fitting what is your go-to karaoke song go-to karaoke oh honestly i would probably say killing me softly it gets Mm. the crowd going they don't expect it it's good there you go great answers i I like it i like it well thank you so much for that round of insightful and fun around a rapid fire and with that we are going to transition to our final part of the show we always like to ask our guests to offer our listeners 
listeners some advice, something that they can take away with them from the show. So Tyler, we pose that question to you. If you could offer our listeners some advice. Man, I feel like you guys caught me preaching on the second segment. If I had any advice outside of, obviously, like we talked about, really just kind of exposing yourself into the areas that you might not really have ever considered, right? Who are you outside of your abilities, right? Everybody's got a resume. Everybody takes time to put together what they're capable of and what they're good at. But, you know, find opportunities to define yourself outside of the box, outside of the sheet music. If you went and got an education, did you do it just because somebody told you to, or did you have a passion for it? Was it just, you know, the school down the road, or, or did you really go out of your way to explore something that you found a passion in? Gosh, I mean, just don't avoid any of it and always be prepared. If somebody says, I want to know who you are, make sure you've got that 30 to second, you know, 30 to 60 seconds worth of a commercial on you. What really is behind what you find passionate and pursue it, just relentlessly pursue it, have some fun. Don't be too hard on yourself. And I don't know how else I would have gotten to where I'm at with my wife, kiddos, you know, career-wise, what I do on a regular basis. I don't know if I would have got to this point if I didn't let a little bit of that unknown take hold and just keep keep moving, take another path, find a couple things that you suck at, and then I'll turn around and you'll find something <laughs> you can embrace. So find, find it, whatever it is. Man, that's great. That awesome. was deep. I like it. If our listeners wanted to maybe learn more about you or learn more about, you know, the karaoke, karaoke, I don't feel like I said that word right. If our listeners wanted to learn more about you, learn more about, you know, where you do karaoke at or any projects, anything like that, where could they go? Oh man, if you're ever in the North Dallas area, I'm going to end up at any one of them. I don't know how often I get to go out and, and do anything. And I talk about making sure that you have something that defines you man i'm out in the wild i don't really have a, a place i go or anywhere that i could say hey go find out more about me but man i, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and obviously i feel like you know brian you and i have, have got decades to explore together man i'm, I'm yeah. glad to be hitched up with the right people man this is a ton of fun it's awesome yeah well, we appreciate it man yeah so basically if you're in north dallas just go karaoke do karaoke and you'll find and tyler, you tyler. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> He'll introduce you, I'm sure. Alicia, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you, where could they go? You can find me on Instagram, e.squared1989. How about you, Brian? As always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. Be sure to follow Talkapella on Twitter at Talkapella, two P's, two L's. And check out our website at talkapella.org. And as always, go give Acaville Radio a follow. They're the wonderful platform through which we stream through. We want to thank our guest today, Tyler Wild, so much for coming on this episode. It was great having my brother on this episode man it was great just <laughs> discussing music learning and just having an all-around great time so i said it earlier and I, i'll retract my statement you are definitely invited back so come back <laughs> well that's awesome thank you again and for everything else stay tuned